Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, I'm Luis Miguel Echegaray and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. I'm filling in for Grant Wall. This week's interview guest is Joe Mansueto, who recently became sole owner of MLS club Chicago Fire. While we've got you here, make sure to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly video soccer series that I co-host with Grant. We have interviews from Carly Lloyd to Dome Torrent, debate and thoughtful opinions on the game we all love. That's Planet Football TV. Vamos! Our guest today is Joe Mansueto. He's the founder of the global financial services firm Morningstar, and he recently became the full owner of the Chicago Fire after buying out Andrew Hoffman. Joe, thanks for joining me. Hey, delighted to be here, Grant. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, lots to talk about. I've been looking forward to this. Um, a couple of Fridays ago, I got a press release, as other people did, that had some expected news that the Chicago Fire was looking to move back into Soldier Field. But then in that press release, there was some completely unexpected news, <laughs> which was that you had bought out Andrew Hotman to become the majority owner of the Chicago Fire. How did that come about? Yeah, it, uh, it came about rather quickly. So I bought into the team uh, about a year and a half ago, June of 2018, and I bought 49% of the, the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Hopman my, was my partner at 51%. And uh, I didn't know if Andrew would ever want to sell his shares. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's been fun getting to know Andrew. I've enjoyed working with him. He's a terrific guy. But he called me up in early August of this year, mm-hmm. uh, just a few months ago. Um, and said that he had made a personal decision. Um, he felt like the team was going in a good direction, moving downtown. Um, he had confidence in me as, a, as an owner uh, of the team. And he decided he wanted to sell his shares. Would I, would I be interested? Hmm. And so, of course, I raised my hand and said, absolutely. I said, well, first I said, are you sure you want to do this, mm-hmm. Andrew? We're going to have a lot of fun over the next year moving downtown. It's going to be very exciting. Are you sure you want to do this? And he said, no, he's, he's sure. He's, he's talked it over with his wife, Ellen, and this is what they wanted to do. Uh, so after I confirmed that, uh, I said, then I'd be happy to step up. And, uh, and then in 24 hours, we worked out a, a financial transaction um, to buy the other half, and then it closed over the next month. So it all happened. It all came together and happened very quickly. Were you, would you say you were surprised that Andrew made this decision? I was surprised about the timing. Mm-hmm. I thought eventually he might want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the more I thought about it after we had the call, 
Um, and he explained some of the reasons. I mean, he's based in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, he's not in Chicago. And so that's, you know, that's a more difficult situation for anyone. Uh, if the roles were reversed, you know, I'm not sure I would want to own a L.A.-based team. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult to engage. Um, and so I could understand his reasons. You know, the timing did surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I told him, hey, it's going to be an exciting year. Uh, she want to do this right now. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you first get connected to Don Garber, the MLS commissioner? Because that's what I understand was sort of your first connection to MLS. Yeah, and so I, you know, to back up a bit, um, I stepped down from my role at Morningstar uh, running the company uh, a couple years ago. And so uh, when I did that, one of the things I wanted to do was diversify my investments, invest in some other areas. And I wanted to invest according to my passions, things that I really loved. And so um, I identified soccer as one of those passions. And so I started to look for opportunities within MLS. And that's when I lobbed in a call to Don Garber and had a conversation with him. And what did Don tell you? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I'd start, you know, I, you know, my mind went to expansion cities. MLS is growing, expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some rumored expansion possibilities. Uh, Sacramento was one of those, you know, and mm-hmm. I talked to some of the folks who put together a group there about getting involved there and started to look around. And uh, so I asked Don about opportunities more broadly within MLS. And um, he said, well, there are two things that we see that make MLS team successful. One is having a downtown stadium location, and two is local ownership. Mm-hmm. So if I were you, I wouldn't look around at Sacramento and these other areas. I'd go look at Chicago and go talk to Andrew Hoffman and see if you can work out uh, some arrangement. Uh, and so Don, I think, gave me what, in hindsight, was just outstanding, spot-on advice. Mm-hmm. And... Why did you decide on soccer one instead of investing in maybe buying a pro team in another sport? And then why an MLS team as opposed to, say, buying a soccer team in the Premier League? Yep. So, um, you know, I got really um, interested in soccer, um, not when I was growing up. You know, I grew up in Indiana, uh, not far from Chicago, and it was not an option for me growing up. It was football, basketball, baseball. And um, so I didn't grow up playing, but I have three kids. And when they were young, they started playing uh, first at the AYSO level. I ended up coaching a couple years, which was a great experience. Uh, they went on to play club soccer, high school soccer. And then I started to watch professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just got hooked on the sport. You know, I could see young kids growing up, just what an outstanding experience it was, you know, for my kids and other kids. Uh, you know, in some ways, football is 
too violent, baseball maybe a little too slow-paced, and soccer, it's aerobic, kids are running around, learning a lot of life skills, having a lot of fun, and uh, I just became a big believer in the sport, and then as I started to watch it, you just get hooked, it's infectious. Uh, it's one of the few sports where I'll watch two teams, neither of which are my hometown team, hometown teams, play, and uh, I just love it. It's just, you know, it's 90 minutes of nonstop action, uh, and it's just great fun to watch. And so, um, you know, as I started to watch, you know, uh, you know European leagues, um, U.S., uh, the MLS league, um, you know, I started to focus more on MLS, maybe because of the time zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just a little easier uh, being in Chicago. And so I started to really uh, watch a, a lot of MLS and just really enjoyed it. And so um, and then when I was looking to invest, it just it seemed a little more close to home. Um, you know, the European leagues are phenomenal, uh, but it's just a little harder to engage given the, the distance, uh, whether you want to go see the games in person or even watch them remotely. I'm, I'm curious to know where you think MLS is going from an economic perspective. I mean, we've seen a lot of expansion in recent years. The league is simply a lot bigger than it used to be. Um, you know, as Don Garber will say, especially with collective bargaining talks with the players uh, union coming, that the teams are not profitable in most cases. Uh, economically, where do you see MLS going? Uh, I see it as having a very positive future. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have made this investment if I didn't think that. Uh, And, you know, the the slope of the line is a nice upward sloping line. Um, You know, and it begins with that, the product on the pitch. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great experience. Uh, The fans who see it, the engagement level is very high. And I think over time that translates into positive economics. You start with a great product. If you don't have a great product, I don't know how you're going to get the economics. Uh, but I think MLS just has a an, an phenomenal product, and we need to expose more people to it. As we more, expose more people to it, uh, I'm confident they'll get hooked uh, and uh, just become lifelong diehard fans. So I think you know, fan engagement, fan satisfaction, you know, from that profit follows. Uh, I can't tell you the, the timing of all of this. Uh, though if you look at the other leagues as for some guidance, you know, a lot of the other leagues, the teams were not profitable for many years, and then typically media deals get renegotiated and things jump up and the economics change. So, you know, I'm optimistic over time. The media deals will, you know, help drive economics uh, for the teams. Uh, but also all the stadium revenues uh, certainly are another big revenue source that uh, should drive profitability. Um, so, you know, over the long run, I think uh, the team should be uh, profitable. Uh, but again, all the pro- timing of all of this is, is a bit hard to predict. You know, my sense has been that Chicago is a sleeping giant when it comes to soccer. And there's, you know, a fair number of other people who think this too. How do you go about awakening this giant? You know, that's exactly right. That's the way I view it. And that's part of the reason I invested. When I looked at the Chicago opportunity, um, it just seemed suboptimal to me that there's a huge soccer audience uh, in this market, and yet our team was not engaging with our hometown MLS team the way it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give you some examples of that, 
uh, take a couple of recent games in Soldier Field, uh, the big stadium in Chicago, uh, Chivas played Club America, two top Mexican teams, sold out, 62,000 fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gold Cup final was held in Chicago. It was the U.S. men's national team versus the Mexican national team, sold out, 62,000 fans. So there's a big base of soccer fans here, but they're not engaging. And part of the reason is um, the stadium location in Chicago was suboptimal, mm-hmm. um, located in Bridgeview. The stadium is very nice, soccer-specific stadium. It's just hard to get to for the broader Chicago population. And so the premise was that, hey, if you could move that downtown, get something more centrally located, um, put a good product on the field, uh, you could really drive fan engagement to a high level. Um, And so... When MLS does its research of soccer potential in the markets in the U.S., Chicago comes out either at the top or near the top of that list. So there's a big market here. We just need to tap into it. You know, early on in the Fire's history, and even at times since then, the club has looked to sign big-name Mexican and Polish players to appeal to those communities in Chicago. Do you have any interest in putting more emphasis on that again? You know, my focus is on winning championships. And um, if a Polish or Mexican player can help us do that, that would be phenomenal. But, you know, I don't think in terms of having a certain background, you know, drive selection versus, you know, what are the best 11 players we can field to help us win a championship. And they'll most likely be of a lot of international backgrounds. Uh, But... You know, I don't go about it trying to, I don't know, have somebody who's going to appeal to some audience in Chicago um, if they're not going to help us win a championship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that it's it's a meritocracy. And so whoever the best 11 players are that we can find, that's who I'd like to see on the pitch for the Chicago Fire. You know, Chicago's on the outside looking in right now when it comes to the MLS playoffs. We're recording this on September 23rd, so that could change. Uh, Velj Kopanovic and Nelson Rodriguez missed the playoffs in two of their first three seasons there with the team. Are you going to consider their futures with the club during the offseason? You know, I've enjoyed getting to know both uh, Nelson and, and Pano. Um, over the past uh, year and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. They're both terrific people. I believe in both of them. Uh, Nelson is our general manager president. Uh, Velko Panovich, Pano as we call him, is, is our coach. Uh, and again, I'm supportive of both of them. You know, I think they'd be the first to tell you that the results this season uh, haven't really been what um, they would have liked to have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some frustration there that I share. Um, you know, I think we still have a you know, a decent shot at making the playoffs. As you know, we're just below the playoff lines, a couple games left. Um, so we could still do it. So the focus is still on finishing this season strong. You know, that said, you know, at the end of the off season, you know, we're going to evaluate all areas of the club, just as we do, I think, um, every off season. Uh, but the focus right now is really on finishing the season strong and, and making the playoffs. 
I think one question your fans would also have is, even currently, the Fire is the third highest payroll in MLS, so it's not like the team hasn't been spending yeah. money on players. Do you plan on continuing that? Yes, yeah, one of the things I'll give my you know former partner, Andrew Hopman, a lot of credit. Um, he invested heavily in the team. Uh, as you point out, we've had you know one of the highest payrolls in the league, and um, you know absolutely, I plan to continue that. Um, it's a global arms race for talent in soccer, as you know, and so we want to field a very competitive team. Uh, and other teams are stepping up, and so we've got to run hard to make sure that we're uh, fielding the best players and paying them competitively. So um, there's no plan to change that level of spending in a downward direction. You know, one thing I like to ask uh, MLS owners when I get a chance to interview them, some MLS owners are more conservative when it comes to how they think MLS should curtail spending on players in terms of league salary caps, things like that. Uh, Other MLS owners, especially newer ones, uh, want more spending and tend to want some of the shackles to come off in terms of higher salary caps, things like that. Uh, where do you stand on that continuum? You know, I'm in the latter camp. Uh, I'd like to see less shackles on owners than, than more shackles. Uh, you know, we're in, as I mentioned, it's a global competition for talent, so you can't really protect <laughs> uh, MLS from paying competitively um, because we're competing with so many other leagues. One of the things that really drives, uh, I think will drive the future success of MLS is how competitive the teams are we place on the pitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, right now, candidly, we're a bit behind Europe. uh, And so whatever we could do to narrow that gap, um, I think will drive overall MLS viewership higher. Um, So I think it's going to be a good investment. So I think we have to be, we as owners, have to be willing to step up to invest what it takes um, to put competitive uh, players on the team who are, you know, at world-class levels, and we can't be, you know, shielded from what players, top players earn in Europe or South America or anywhere else. And so the global market will determine what soccer play, top players earn. And, you know, if we're going to be in the game uh, and have a, a world-class product, we're going to have to bear those costs. Uh, and so, again, I'm in the camp of Uh, fewer shackles rather than more. That sound you didn't hear on the other end of the line is a fist pump from me, but uh, I always like hearing that answer. (laughs) 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 Um, In terms of the team's name, uh, I know you've gotten this question because there have been uh, talks that the Chicago Fire might change their name, especially in conjunction with moving into Soldier Field. Uh, Where do you stand on that? You know, as we are moving downtown, you know, the front office thought it would be a good idea to take a look at the name, the branding, all of that. Uh, And, uh, you know, that makes sense. You know, if you're going to change anything about the club, when you move locations, you know, it's a good time to do that. And so they've been conducting a very thorough, rigorous process of talking to our fans, talking to the league, talking to marketing experts. Um, They are in the final stretches of of that process. And so I'll hear back from them soon on uh, what they they found. You know, my personal view is I love the name. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, it has deep meaning uh, as a Chicagoan. Uh, It's really what defined the city 
as the Chicago Fire of 1871. It cuts the core of, it, of the identity of this city. And to me, it's about uh, really persevering mm-hmm. through great adversity, just as, as those Chicagoans did in 1871 when they were faced with a, a burned-down city. You know, they didn't pick up and move uh, somewhere else. You know, they rolled up their sleeves, they redoubled their efforts, and they rebuilt uh, a city in a bigger, bolder way uh, and built a world-class city. You know, it's interesting. If you go back and look, just before the fire, 1870, St. Louis was a bigger city than Chicago. Hmm. So it's not, like, it's not like we were a world-class city back then, or even one of the largest cities in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were, you know, we, we weren't a top three market back, back then. We were, you know, we were on the map, but again, St. Louis was bigger. And so you have this devastating, you know, event, and the Chicago ends of the time, you know, rebuilt the city in a bigger, bolder way. And to me, it's that spirit of not giving up in the face of adversity, but pushing through, persevering. To me, that's the spirit that burns in all of Chicago. And to really build something great, no matter what obstacles you encounter. And to me, that, that's what the name Chicago Fire uh, embodies. And I think is a great metaphor for our, our hometown soccer team. Sounds to me like the name's not changing. <laughs> well, that's my view. I mean, I'm gonna, we'll see what their You're research the team, says. Man. <laughs> Hopefully it'll align with that, but that's, um, that's my view. So you're moving back into Soldier Field. What are sort of uh, your realistic attendance expectations for Soldier Field? <laughs> you don't think we're going to sell out every game at 62,000? <laughs> um, you know, right now our, our attendance averages. Uh, maybe 12,000 a game. Yeah. That's what we had the past week. <clears throat> I would, at a minimum, like to see us double that to 25,000. Mm-hmm. You know, if we could average that throughout the season, um, to me, that would be a, a, a nice success. You know, for the home opener, you know, I've challenged the team, the front office, hey, can we sell out the stadium, 62,000? Mm-hmm. Really get us off to a, a bang of a start. Um, you know, and so we're kind of working on plans, you know, to, to go in that direction. We'll see if we can get there on that opening day. Uh, but if, I, if we don't double the attendance uh, next year, I would be disappointed. Um, you know, it's a big stadium. You know, we may have to tarp off, you know, the top tier mm-hmm. to give it a warmer, more intimate environment. Um, but, you know, ideally, you know, the plan is I'd love to see us, you know, a la Seattle, Atlanta, you know, be able to sell out a lot of these games uh, in coming years. And how long do you want to be at Soldier Field? Um, you know, this is uh, obviously getting soccer stadiums, new ones built in urban areas. I live in New York. That's not a, an easy thing to get done. Yeah. Um, I guess my question would be, how long do you want to be in Soldier Field? And how will you approach trying to build a new urban soccer stadium in Chicago? Well, right now the focus is on Soldier Field. Let's make that work. You know, that's a Herculean task in and of itself without trying to think 10 steps ahead of yet another stadium. Uh, And if we can get Soldier Field to work, to me that's the best of all worlds. You know, you'd have 62,000 fans at every game. Make it a warm, friendly environment. It's centrally located in Chicago. A lot of transportation comes nearby. Accessibility is phenomenal. You can walk from the downtown. Um, and so if we can make that work, we can expose the Chicago Fire to a huge number of fans. Um, 
you know, down the road, if we want to look at a soccer-specific stadium, create a neighborhood around it, um, you know, that's an option we'll have. So we've got that optionality. But right now, the, the focus is on making Soldier Field work and making it work in a very robust way. I'm also curious to know just what the what the response has been from Chicago Fire fans that you've gotten since you became the full owner. You know, it's really touched me. It's been such a warm, positive reception uh, that I've received. You know, I traveled with the, the team down to Cincinnati uh, last week, and I went up to the supporters section. Uh, a bunch of fans took buses out to, to see the, the game there. And... Um, you know, just the hugs and the warm welcome, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but they started to sing, I love Joe Mansueto <laughs> as I walked into the stands. Uh, I couldn't do their voices justice, but just such a warm, friendly group of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to me, that's the, that core that we want to nurture, that enthusiasm. These people are just hungry to see a championship team. They love the fire. Uh, and we've got a great base to work with, but just a huge thank you to all the fans for, you know, just the warm welcome, all the emails, the positive comments. It's just been just humbling to receive all those. I'm also curious about the the market uh, for MLS teams at this point. Obviously, we see the Forbes lists, which some people think are accurate in their valuations of MLS teams. Some people don't think they're very accurate. Um, when you look across the board at the value of MLS teams for someone who wants to go out and potentially buy an MLS team, what's the range in your opinion these days? And, and I'm curious to know how, what the, what, how much is the Chicago fire worth on the open market? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I would say there's a lot of demand mm-hmm. for MLS teams. Uh, as you point out, we're expanding, Miami, Nashville coming to the league next year, Austin the, the year after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, MLS has said they're expanding up to 30 cities. Um, and there's a lot of demand um, for those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's going to be a positive direction on, on team values. Mm-hmm. Um, the expansion fee is currently $200 million. Mm-hmm. Put a, a number out there if you want to create a new team mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a city. Uh, but then you've got to, you know, fill the team. You've got to maybe either build or lease a stadium. Um, so that's on top of that. Um, you know, St. Louis just announced. Uh, and they're putting, you know, a lot of money into the, uh, uh, the team, the stadium. Uh, you know, and so, you know, there, you know, we have not disclosed, in terms of your question, what's the Chicago Fire worth, mm-hmm. what the... Um, uh, transaction value was. I'll talk about anything, but that's one number we, we chose not to disclose. Um, so I don't know, I, I'm very bullish, uh, again, on, on MLS team values. I think they'll go up. Um, but if you had to look at one number, that $200 million expansion number mm-hmm. for just a, a brand new team gives you some, at least one data point. Wanted to wrap up. Appreciate you taking this much time to talk. Uh, just about the other MLS owners. You've been involved for a year and a half in this league. Uh, you're all in business together. It's a single entity system yep. and there's board of governors meetings and you're all strategizing together. Are there any other particular MLS owners that you've gotten to, to know and enjoy spending time with? You know, I've gotten uh, also a very warm reception from the other 
uh, the other owners. As you mentioned, it's a single entity structure, so in some ways we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I was in Portland recently, um, had dinner with Merritt Paulson, mm-hmm. uh, who owns and runs the Timbers. I mean, what a great guy. Uh, just an outstanding individual. I've really gotten to know him over the past year. Uh, he's been super supportive, offering lots of advice. Uh, when I was in Cincinnati uh, last weekend, spent time with uh, Carl Lidner, mm-hmm. um, and just so warm, welcoming, offering advice. And I, I think every owner ends the conversation with, "If you ever need anything, just pick up the phone and call me." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm happy to, you know, work with you on any aspect. Uh, you know, the front offices of most of the teams kind of have good relationships with the peers, mm-hmm. you know, around the league, so they can kind of call them. And so it's a very cooperative atmosphere. Um, but, uh, you know, those are a few of the owners that I've enjoyed getting to know. I, you know, I attended my first board meeting, MLS Board of Governors uh, in Los Angeles, and everyone was just so warm and welcoming, uh, really outstanding group of owners. So proud to be part of it. Lastly, is there... Anything you have learned in your career as a successful business owner that you plan to carry over to being the owner of the Chicago Fire? Yeah, I think I've learned a lot. Um, You know, I've learned how powerful uh, a mission can be with an organization. Morningstar, Mm -hmm. the company I founded back in 84, you know, our, our mission is to really empower investors to really drive their success. And I can see how a strong mission really gets everybody on board. Everybody subordinates their own interests to that of the, the company and have a strong values uh, within the organization underpinning that. So making sure that we've got a strong mission, you know, at, at the fire and a strong set of values about the people we employ and the set of behaviors we want to see, uh, but really rallying people around, you know, driving to a championship and uh, really promoting soccer within Chicago um, and then making sure we've got the right set of values. Uh, and I think if you do that, you put the right people in the organization, you rally around that mission, um, you know, good things are going to happen. Uh, and so really it's that strong sense of mission, how powerful that can be in an organization, and then the underlying values, that those things are so important as you choose people, uh, and to make sure that we look at as every aspect of our organization from the front office to the players, you know, every aspect to make sure that we're world-class in every role of the organization uh, and to really have high standards around that to make sure it's a meritocracy, that we're getting the best people and that they are, you know, aligned to our vision for the mission and then behaving with the right set of values. Well, every year I do my MLS ambition rankings for Sports Illustrated where I rank from top to bottom what I see as the ambitions of the league's particular owners, the Chicago Fire are going to be rising in the uh, I love ambition it. rankings. Yeah, on your power rankings. Yeah, move <laughs> us up. We are ambitious. You know, it's funny. I did an all-hands meeting about a week ago, and uh, the whole, you know, the front office was there and everybody, and uh, Velko Ponovich, the coach, Pono mm-hmm. sat in the front row, and uh, I, had, I made him ask me a question, uh, and his question was, on a scale of 1 to 10, how badly do you want to win? <laughs> Velko's a, Pono's a very competitive guy, and I said, 10, of course, who would answer otherwise? Uh, and so, yeah, move us up. We are, you know, the, we're focused on winning championships. That's what motivates everybody. That's what makes sports fun. 
it's a very black and white sport, like all sports are, all sports are black and white. And so that's the goal. We're all going to rally around it, uh, really focus on it, but also to promote soccer. So we want to win, and um, we're going to do everything humanly possible to make that happen in Chicago. Well, Joe Mansueto, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Good luck in Chicago. Hey, super fun. Thanks very much, Grant, for, being, for inviting me on. Thank you so much for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Joe Mansueto as well as producer Brandon Nix and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this pod. Make sure to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly video series that I co-host with Grant, and check out the Monday edition of the Planet Football Podcast with me and Grant as we talk about all the weekend action. See you next time.